Whenever you rent or buy a video, you need to be sure that the film you choose is suitable for the audience at home. It may also contain some very explicit language, which will frequently mean sexual swear words. to episode 12 of Friday Night Movie Time Podcast. This is Mike. This is Lee. And this week we are discussing the 1983 unofficial James Bond movie, Never Say Never Again. So Lee, initial thoughts. I lent you the Blu-ray of this. You did. Um, I, this is a film I know that I've seen because as I went through it, there were scenes that I remembered that weren't just clips I'd seen on, on YouTube. But overall, I didn't really remember it that much. It was, it started, it reminded me of an episode of the A-Team. This, this felt very much from the onset of it, that this was a made-for-TV movie. Yeah, that's been said quite a few times over the years. Obviously, this is a rival Bond to Eon. Basically, back in the 50s, uh, Bond creator Ian Fleming entered into a screenplay um, treatment with... An Irish businessman called Kevin McClory. Nothing came of that movie, but Cubby Broccoli, Harry Saltzman, got involved with Fleming later on and created the franchise we know as James Bond. The one that has just come to an end with Daniel Craig. Yes, and we might mention that later. We don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it seems somehow apt that we are talking about James Bond. I did plan it for this month because I knew Bond was coming out. Ah, fair enough. Where was I? Yeah, they... Went along with the Eon series of massively successful James Bond films. And basically a few years later, Ian Fleming took parts of that treatment to create the novel Thunderball. There was a big legal battle over this. I've seen every single one of the Bond films, a lot of them numerous times. As I've got older, I found that some of them I didn't like as a child or as a young adult. I really appreciate now. But some of the other ones... The best example I can give is Goldeneye with Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. I thought that was fantastic when it came out. I watched it again recently and just thought, I like Sean Bean in it. It's not the greatest of films. No, I'd say for years it was probably my favourite Brosnan, but... Sorry to cut you then. Out of the Brosnan films, it is still the best one. They just get more and more ridiculous as they go on. I mean, but I do like Tomorrow Never Dies. I do. It's, it's the second one. But Jonathan Price is one of the worst villains on screen ever. But isn't he supposed to be Rupert Murdoch? 
yes, it's very much in the style of The Spy Who Loved Me, which I do love. I know it's not... That's a fantastical film, not so much a hardcore bomb movie as we see, in, see nowadays. Anyway, I'll carry on with a bit yep. more history. Um, so, this gentleman, McClory, was credited as a producer on Thunderball. And part of the legal settlement was he could make another version of Thunderball ten years later. Which Eon thought was okay because they thought the franchise wouldn't still be going by then. But it was, and in the mid-70s he got in contact with Sean Connery arranged for Sean to direct a new version of Thunderball with a new Bond, but eventually Sean was persuaded by his wife to recreate the role, and we ended up in 1983 with Roger Moore in Octopussy, followed a few months later by Sean back in the role of 007 for Never Say Never Again. I don't know why, but when you said Roger Moore in Octopussy, I couldn't help but grin to that. (laughs) Uh, Sean Connery, by this time, is what? 53 he's still younger than Daniel Craig is now the difference between seeing him I watched a lot of interviews on YouTube around the time seeing him in the movie with the wig you know with the very darkened hair and seeing him look like basically a granddad yeah in the interviews is is a bit of a contrast especially with like the grey chest hair as well which as a man of 46 I do have grey chest hair I've always been a big fan of Sean Connery especially my favourite role that he's ever been in is still his character in The Untouchables. In this film, it does feel very much like he's phoning it in. I think I messaged you to say, this reminds me of when Tom Baker played Sherlock Holmes in The Hound of the Baskervilles. He's just phoning it in and just going, yeah, I'm just playing Doctor Who in, in this version. But both those guys, one on the small screen, one on the big screen, just have the charisma to do that, don't they? Because oh, you have abs- to watch them whenever they're on screen. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I... Still adore Sean Connery, but is the most Scottish he has ever sounded in any film. <laughs> Whether it was to differentiate from the Bond he played in the Broccoli movies, I don't know. But it was as soon as I heard it, every time he spoke, I could just hear the... Th- I wouldn't say thick Scottish accent, because it's not, because he's no. very well-spoken. But it was definitely there, and it sort of took me out of it. Whereas when he played it you know, in Doctor No and all, of, all the other ones, it, it wasn't as noticeable. I do like the fact that right from the start they take into consideration his age. You know, he's on that training exercise. I always loved that scene as a kid. And I found out it was meant to be a lot more of a dark and sinister sinister scene, but it's almost like a video game where he's meandering through the jungle and then he uh, climbs yeah. up the wall into the, yeah, into the house can, and ends up getting that that you've said that. stabbed at the end. Where you really notice the difference between what we associate as being with Bond the scene at the beginning which doesn't really have that much to do with the rest of the movie which you know has been adopted by Indiana Jones been adopted by lots of different films but with this it was very much this isn't as polished as the Broccoli movies I mean somebody on YouTube has made a Broccoli version of the titles you know with the theme song which isn't one of the best ones is it? Uh, no one of my uh, oldest friends posted up on Facebook on the weekend that he was watching Live and Let Die and he said it still has the best theme song, which I kind of agree. I think Licence um, to Kill is pretty good. Glad it's Night in the Pips. Um, Goldfinger? Yes. All-time high Octopussy this same year as this is pretty underrated. Although that's one of those ones that really works better with the John Barry strings when he's converted it on the soundtrack. Okay, what's the worst one? Die Another Day or Quantum of Solace. Jack White one. Jack White and Alicia Keys. I really like that. Yeah. I've always really liked that. I would say probably 
Oh, we've got to say Sam Smith, even though that's the one that's won the Oscar. That won, an, that won an Oscar? Yes. They should take it back. It was an <laughs> awful song. It literally was a cat being strangled, wasn't it? It wasn't good. Adele's, was it for Skyfall? Yeah. That was a great song. Yeah. Although I didn't like it that much. Um, I did the rewatch of the Craig movies before No Time to Die, and I don't think it held up that well. What, the film or the... No, the song, I mean, you still get the bombastic feel of the Shirley Bassey songs and I think they were aiming for that, but it just didn't work. Because she is someone you always associate with doing the best Bond. Was it two or three she did? Goldfinger, Tom Jones did Thunderball. Too well she's there, that's great. You Only Live Twice was Nancy Sinatra. Oh, Diamonds Are Forever in the 70s, yeah. Yeah. So she did two or three. Yeah, I can't remember. I always associate her with... It's because Goldfinger was pretty much seen as the best movie and is by a lot of people still. Okay, anyway, back to Never Say Never Again. We go back to uh, M, James Fox, who seems to be talking through his teeth a lot through this film, isn't he? I don't know why he's doing that. How did you find him as M? A little bit over the top, but it does fit this film. For the tone of this film, it's great. Yeah, I, I can never remember his name. Who was the one that was in that was M for Connery's run? Bernard Lee, Johnny Lee Miller's grandfather. That's right. I always associate him with M, and I also really enjoyed uh, Judy Dench. Ray Fiennes does a pretty good M. But he, he always seems to be at Bond's heel. Right, yeah, and then you had Robert Brown in the 80s after Bernard Lee. We see that Bond gets sent to a health farm to eradicate the free radical. This... And did you find Moneypenny very much too ditzy in this? She seemed very much a two-dimensional car- character. Moneypenny's always been after M and Q and Bond. Yeah, she had a sort of intelligence about her in the earlier films, didn't she? In, in terms of that flirtation, she was always the she's, one in control of those situations. This is the only time where she doesn't have that level of intelligence, yeah. where you just go, uh, yeah, I'm not really bothered by you, you're, you're not an important character in this. But then the ones in the Timothy Dalton films, Samantha Oh, no, no don't get yeah. me wrong. Um, no. If you take the bo- all of the Bond films, all of that movies, is the yeah. one movie where you like, I don't really care about your character, yeah. you could just not be on screen. Yeah. I mean, much as I think, to me, still Timothy Dalton is the Bond I most go I go back and watch his movies most. Yes. But in that film he does slap her ass. You know, and that you know, Roger I don't think Roger ever did that. I think possibly Sean did it to some women, didn't he? Times have changed now. Definitely for the better. This part of the where they send him to the health farm, it reminded me not that I've ever watched them, but it reminded me too much of going, hang on, are you just setting up this really soft core porn film? Oh, it's very much sort of like a sitcom as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's... with the actors you get in this movie at times, and especially where they, where they, you know, they're seeing some where Bond sees the guy being strangled through the window. Yes, it did felt like the Benny Hill theme should play at that point. Yeah, it didn't feel there was no sense of suspense or drama. It was this is a bit funny now, isn't it? And ever since the age of six, I found it hilarious that he threw wee into Pat Roach's face. Pat Roach. Someone who I always associated with British wrestling and Alfredo's impact. I didn't realise how many big budget movies he's, that man's actually been in. Because he was also in the Conan movies. Conan Destroyer, Pat Roach, someone I've always loved. Didn't he do all the indie, the three first three indies? He's in Temple of Doom. He's almost unrecognisable in Raiders of the Lost Ark with the shaved head and the big moustache. For a long time I didn't believe that that was Pat Roach. Um, yes, sadly, no longer with us, died of cancer. When they brought the series back of Olvidas and Pet, I think he was he was fit enough and well enough to do the first series, and then 
He was passed away by the second year, early two thousands. Have you noticed the sitcom element in this? Because they got Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet. Yep. They came in to help out on the script, and there's an interview that I saw Sean do around the time, and he actually says, unfortunately, they couldn't get credited for whatever reason. Writers Guild. Two fantastic writers, a staple of British TV. You know, you get these sort of visual gags like Bond and Pat Roach are fighting through the hell farmer. The pensioners and their carers watching the boxing match on TV. I've always loved that. And you get the sound effects. One thing that fight did actually remind me of, now that you said it, was Family Guy, Peter Griffin and the Chicken. It felt like that. Harking back to that, isn't it? Yeah. I think the one problem with this film... It has to do as you know as time moves on. A lot of this film may remind me of Johnny English, the Rowan Atkinson film, almost as though that film was being par- was a parody of Never Say Never Again. Is that almost in the same way that Spectre was basically taking the plot of the third Austin Powers film? Thanks for pointing that out because I was going to watch <laughs> Spectre again soon, and now I'm not. I'm not going. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of filmmakers borrow from other things and. You know, as time passes, it becomes more and more difficult to be original. All you can do is repackage things and try and make them look new. But sometimes, especially with parodies, even though the parody's amusing, it's it's very funny, it then takes away from the original. Take, for example, especially because it's October, Halloween. But as I said on that episode, because Michael Myers has been parodied so many times... Yeah. It's very hard not to find it funny when you watch the original movie. So I can't watch Halloween now with going, I want to laugh at this. When was the first Johnny English? About 2002, three? Because he did those Barclay card adverts with Angus Dayton as boff in the 90s. And that's what the character of the movie came from. I loved this movie as a kid because you hadn't seen that before. It was yeah. that sort of parody. The older you get, the more things you recognise. I've seen that year and I've seen this year. We go back from the health club, M's pretty angry at Bond, and at the health club he spotted the amazing, I think he's brilliant in this, Fatima Blush, yeah, setting up Jack Patachi, Gavin O'Harrelly, I remember he turned up in quite a few things in the 80s, like he's um, back in Smallville, isn't he, Clark Kent's rival yeah. in Superman 3. There's a lot of people in this that I recognise them, I recognise them. And speaking of um, Johnny English... Rowan Atkinson's in this movie as well. Borderline creepy, I'd say. Just about watchable, but quite stalkerish of Bond. But he plays that character anyway. By this point, Blackadder has come out. He's a very weedy Blackadder in the first series, isn't he? Yeah, which he? is what, 82? The first series is 83. I think there's a pilot in 82, but when he is more like the Blackadder, there's a different Baldrick in that one. There's a pilot online where, where he's more like the nasty Blackadder of the later series. Yeah. Tony Robinson was brought in at the last minute to be... Ballrick, great casting. Ron Atkinson plays the weedy, creepy characters quite well because my black eyed fan, it takes me out of it going, okay, there's Rowan Atkinson. And he's going to be Johnny English. Exactly. Following this, just before Bond goes to the Bahamas, we meet Algy, who is uh, this Bond universe's version of Q. And I like the fact it's a knowing wink to the fact this movie hasn't got as much money as Octopussy would at the same time because he's basically down on his luck, isn't he? He's not the posh major that Desmond Llewellyn was. He's just a working-class guy with a lab coat on, complaining about the funding he hasn't got. I think they could have made more out of it than they did. Yeah, it's, it's a great fun. little turn. Alec McEwen is the actor's yeah. name. I know they didn't have as much money, but they could have made more out of it than they did. I sound like I really didn't like this film. <laughs> but you said, as you said, it fits together. Yeah. 
And then we meet on his uh, boat, Largo, which is a bit of a strange sort of choice of tone for this film, do you think? I mean, he's really good, Klaus Maria Brandio, but there's that sort of flirting scene on the boat with Kim Bassinger. And she mentions, if I ever cheat on you, what will happen? And he just says really callously, I cut your throat. And that's like, whoa, this is a serious bad guy. Yes. In all the films I've seen where he plays a bad guy, he always comes across as really creepy. And yeah. But it just seems over the top. I didn't get a sense of menace when he said that. No, I did, no. really. Maybe it's because I think Kim Basinger in this film and subsequent films is an awful actress. Oh. She does get better as time goes on, but, but at this point in her yeah. career, boy, is she just coming off from being a model? I think so. I mean, she doesn't have a lot to do five years later as Vicky Vane and Batman. I mean, she was good in 8 Mile as Eminem's mum. So That's a good t- 15 years later, or even 20 years. That's yeah. 20 years later. When I was watching this film, I was finding myself zoning out and not zoning out to the film, but to, oh, I'd better get that cobweb down from up there. Yeah. Or, hang on, I'm going to check my phone to see Roger Moore. When Sean Connery came back on the screen, yes, I would I would watch it. But for a lot of around about this point, I did start to just zone out. And we meet uh, Bernie Casey as Felix, another guy who sadly passed away in the last few years, um, memorable as the teacher in Bill and Ted. I've always loved that uh, when he's reading out the reports that they wrote at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Caesar was a salad dressing dude. <laughs> <laughs> I think in most of these films now that we're going to review, it's going to be have, and then they died, and then yeah. they died. And then we get that slightly creepy and weird massage scene where Sean's just walked into a club, and the way Kim Bashinger plays it, you know, she's shocked that this guy's massaged her and then has a cheeky little uh, grin on her face when she finds out he doesn't work there. One joke I did love in this is when Bond is dropped off at the casino and... Uh, the bouncer on the door, he puts a little camera in his hand telling him it's a bomb. That is so well played. Again, I was zoning out at this point. I think I think I zoned back in with the two-way mirror, which I thought that was creepy. And I was why have you got a dance studio on a boat? Because it's weird, it's Bond. It's just, we don't really question it, do we, apart from now? I kind of, I would have then. You wouldn't have a dance studio on a <laughs> boat. What did you make of the casino scene, the game? I loved the idea of that game when I was a kid. Domination, you know, when they got the, the world yeah. is at stake. I thought it was done better in war games. I think it's cashing in on, on that at the time, isn't it? Even sort of battleships yeah, this was the, that was out there as a kid. Yeah, I suppose this was the run about the time of where computer games started becoming part of the pop culture, where things like Pac-Man and Space Invaders and all of that. Yeah, yeah it was a good idea. The other thing that made me laugh is the secret agent ally he's got in France is called Nicole, and he drops her off at the uh, casino. It's literally like, Nicole, papa... <laughs> what, that's a half back to the 90s there, Michael? Yeah. Wasn't there a, a sketch show when they were in bed together? Nicole, papa. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, that's right. You had the couple in the dark. The lights out doing it and someone was going, ooh, Nicole, papa. Oh, that's grim. <laughs> it might have been like a Mary Whitehouse or a, uh, one of the spin-offs that Hugh Dennis did or In Pieces, Newman and Badil. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go back and watch all the Mary Whitehouse again. Yeah. But I'm, I yeah I think it was the Mary Whitehouse experience. Sorry, Nicole herself is uh, drowned by Fatima Blush in the waterbed, and the bike scene happens. Uh, what did you make of that? Pretty cheaply done, isn't it, compared to the set pieces we'd see from the Eon movies at this time. As I've said, I zoned out for a lot of. There's a big chunk of this movie. The only time I sort of zoned back in was going, "Who is Max von Sydow?" So a lot of it I don't really remember. Even on the second watch, it was just going, 
everything else seems more interesting in this film, yeah. which I feel kind of bad about because overall I enjoyed it. But yeah. even though it was made on the cheap, yeah. I felt that we could have made a better Bond movie. Yeah. As long as you get to be Bond, because I don't want to be doing all the running about. I don't think we we beat the cast on this. Anywho, yeah, there's the bike chase, and we get the memorable scene of uh, Fatima cornering James Bond and asking him to write a note to say she was the best he ever had. That's weird. It, it fits to their character. Basically a dominatrix. Love her work. I've always found her quite attractive yeah. woman. But yes, I'll agree, she's quite the dominatrix. Following the scene where she blows up, Felix uh, shoots her and she blows up. Yeah. <laughs> they need to make a fast getaway, so they end up looking like basically two dads dressed in vests, jogging away. <laughs> And where the hell has Felix got a bike from? He's just randomly brought a bike to this encounter. That's what I mean by this film is done so, you know, on the cheap so much yeah. that you're just supposed to believe anything that they do. Yeah. I know with most films you have to suspend, you know, disbelief. With some of it, it's just going, really? Where did you get the bike from? Where did you get this from? Where did you get that from? Fucking dance studio on your ship. Yeah, playing porn music. Yes. In a Bond movie, for God's sake. <laughs> You know, at least one thing about this film is a lot of it is set in real buildings. It looks like real buildings up until the end where it looks completely like a set when they're in this sort of underwater base or the base just before they go underwater. Not, it wasn't as well well done as the one that was in No Time To Die. No. No, which was very good. Which was sweeping awesome. the water. Yes. It's as bad as the extra sweeping the air in uh, Quantum of Solace. Yeah. But anyway, I'm just going to wrap this one up. They have a bit of a fight underwater. Thankfully, it's a lot shorter than the one in the original Thunderball, which seems to take about half an hour. How can you have a fight underwater? Basically resting, isn't it? Yeah. Slowly. Yeah. Well, they did it well in Top Secret, didn't they? That's brilliant. The, the bar saloon underwater. <laughs> yeah. That is an incredible film, and quite frankly, is better made than this one. And we'll have to chat about it one episode. Most likely. Largo gets trapped under a rock... He sees the harpoon gun floating in the water, so he aims to get Bond with it, and it's a pretty good cut by Irving Kirshner of Empire Strikes Back. Make out that Kim Bassinger is the one who's also got a harpoon gun and finishes him off, aptly for killing her brother. And that more or less wraps it up. I completely forgot about that part of the plot about her brother being killed. And then uh, Bond is by a poolside. We have somebody stalking him, and surprise, surprise, it's Rowan Atkinson again. Nigel Fawcett-Smith is his name. Uh, Bond is begged to come back to the service and we get Never, the Never Say Never and the wink to the camera. Bye bye Sean, you're done. It's, as you said, it, a lot of it we've slagged off but overall I, you can enjoy it. Yeah, you can, you can enjoy it and it's also a film that you don't have to necessarily watch every single bit of it. Yeah. I feel bad because I have really been negative about it and I did openly admit that I zoned out through a lot of it on both viewings. It killed, what, an hour and a half, two hours? I've watched films that are supposed to be much better made and like them less. Should we give a few thoughts on No Time to Die? Spoilers, guys. Turn off now if you're listening and you haven't seen it. I know it's not out in America until the weekend when I'm releasing this episode, which will be later this week. So It's not out in America yet. No. I'm this sh- I'm Thursday, sure. Friday. They've had LA screenings, but... For journalists and everybody, but it's the... not officially out until Thursday or Friday. And Australia has to wait till November because that country and New Zealand are in complete lockdown. That would really suck. So yeah, I really think I need to see it again to fully digest it. But then again, with a lot of Bond films down the years, the opinions of people change. A lot of people didn't like 
on Her Majesty's Secret Service back in the 60s. I know, uh, I because think... it was a big change from Sean, George Lazenby basically wasn't an actor. But it stands up as one of the best made Bond movies, I think. I really love that movie. Uh, I... Down the years, people's attitudes to it have totally changed. I think, especially when you're young, you, you're quite impressionable and you'd want to follow the trends of going, yeah. oh, it's awful because he only made one. Yeah. But as you get older, going, no, actually, this is a really well-made Bond movie. Yeah. I've always loved Timothy Dalton as Bond. He probably, yeah, I would say he's still my favourite Bond. For me, definitely, largely because I one of the first videos, sell-through videos I got bought for me as a present was A Living Daylights, and I just loved that film ever since. And considering I was a big Roger fan when I was younger... I'm surprised how much I enjoyed Tim taking over because it was a totally different direction. I think one of the reasons why I've always loved Timothy Dalton in the role is because when he took over the role of James Bond, it was around about the time I started reading the book. It was how similar he was to the Bond in the book, um, which up until that point I'd always considered Sean Connery the best Bond, but then after that it was, no, actually Timothy Dalton does a much better job of recreating the character from the book. Timothy Dalton used to have the books on set with him, you know, getting ready for scenes, yeah. so I don't know if the others ever did that. You'd I, think possibly not with Roger? No, I because I know you're a big fan of Roger Moore, and, and I, you know, I've always loved, you know, his stuff from when he was the saint, and even though he's one of my least favourite Bonds, I've still enjoyed the movies. One of my first memories I've ever seen Bond in the cinema was, yeah, View to Kill, our local Odeon cinema. Did you have the Smith's Crisp poster you could collect? If you bought Smith's Crisps and you sent off for it, you got a view to a kill poster of Roger on the Eiffel Tower and it's just one of the coolest things ever. I don't remember. I don't. And I think they cost like £200 on the internet now and I didn't keep mine. No, I don't think I did. I think I had... I think someone got me the cinema poster. Like when the local cinema, someone we knew worked and they gave it to me, which I don't still have anymore. Yes, uh, the Daniel Craig films I, Daniel Craig is one of my favourite Bonds I think he did the job very very well was this a great movie? no was it a great season finale? yes, yes. it wrapped up if you went into this film expecting a completely new story no it tied up it tied up a lot of the loose ends yeah. from all of the other ones I know people hated Quantum of Solace yeah. Quantum of Solace for me in a similar way now that if I wa- want to watch it Star Wars. I'm not. I refuse to call it a New Hope. I always have to watch Rogue One. Same with Casino Royale. If I want to watch Casino Royale, I have to watch Quantum of Solace yeah. because it gives a fuller story rather than just going. Oh, this is two separate films. I've always classed them as being sort of one extended Casino Royale. What one or two people said to me in work after it was, "Oh, that's it. James Bond is done now," and I just think, "Have you not followed these films for like fifty years? There's no continuity." Like, there's the odd bit of, like, say, Roger Moore putting flowers on Bond's wife's grave at the start of Fear Eyes Only, after George Lazenby was Bond when she died. But, of course it won't go away. As you said, off-air off earlier, Amazon have bought it now. We're going to get probably spin-offs. We'll probably get the young James Bond box by Charlie Hickson mm. adapted. We're going we're gonna to get... We're, we're going to get a new Bond film in probably earliest 2025, maybe 2024. I think... One thing that you may have learned from, say, the Star Wars movies is you don't have to make the films anymore. TV shows, and you can make really good TV shows. I yeah. I would say something like The Mandalorian was a yeah. better to story yeah. than the sequel films. Yeah. I would rather watch The Mandalorian again than watch the sequel films again. Exactly. You've got a much wider palette to paint with yeah. with TV. 
and a lot of people would rather stream things than actually go to the cinema these days. I think there's a growing call for them to perhaps adapt the Fleming books now more faithfully as a series. You could have yeah. those, and you could still have the movie franchise going on in the modern world. Um, so set the Fleming books, Fleming stories back in the 50s, 60s again. And we also live in a different time now. Just think, yeah. you know, if we wanted to go and see a new movie we would have to wait until it came out in the cinema. Netflix, Amazon, Shudder, all of these all of these streaming services put out movies that aren't just, oh, there's a load of actors I don't know. No, it has big budget ad- actors in it. Good and the bad from No Time to Die for You. The good, it tied up every loose end from Daniel Craig. I enjoyed the film. There were some things that annoyed me, but it was more of a personal... As I said to you, yeah. Daniel Craig is older than both of us, Yeah. yet he can have a brick wall explode in front of him and get up, Yeah. whereas it would take me about five minutes to get up from that, going, my knees hurt, my back hurts, can someone give me a hand up? Another thing that I really enjoyed was Phoebe Waller-Bridge does... She wrote it, yeah. Yeah, seems a bit similar to at the time they were saying never again using uh, Clement and Lafrenet. She removed the, even though there was a love interest, it was a love interest. He loved this woman. Yeah. It wasn't a matter of going, and this is the person I'm going to have sex with now. I'd have to watch it again to really give it proper review, but. In the Craig films, there's a one slightly creepy moment with Monica Bellucci, Inspector, after her husband's funeral. Yep, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And the Gemma artisan agent in Quantum of Solace, who gets covered in the petrol. Those two really, he's chatted up, isn't it? And In the old days, you probably would have thought Anna Diarmas, his character, he probably would have ended up with her. Now that you've brought that up, it's just it just made me remember something. Not those actresses, but those particular characters. Almost seems like... They were forcing that back into the story where it doesn't fit anymore. You know, this idea of this... this I mean, spy... It was a great scene when she was fighting Anna de Amas. Yeah. Was the, the really John Wick-like. And there's a Carrie Fukunaga who did the directing. He's known for True Detective. Can I just say quickly before we wrap up my good and bad about yes, of course. No Sorry. Time to Die? Good was the emotional beats. I felt a lot of uh, different emotions in the movie. The pacing was great. Longest Bond movie ever, 2 hours 43. It rattled along, didn't it? Now that you've said that, it did not feel like it was a three-hour movie. No. I, I didn't sit there. I going... feared that before I went to see it. I thought, can I really put up with this? If we get those long, drawn, boring bits of the Craig era. you know. Yeah. And thankfully, there wasn't really many of those at all, if any. There was one scene that I was particularly impressed by. It was towards the end where you see the long tunnel, it's just like a long shot, and he comes walking along and shoots somebody, Yeah, which was harkening back to the opening of the f- film, yeah. of the classic looking down the gun barrel. I've had, had some random silly thoughts about the film, as I do. The Spectre party scene, where they're having this party for Blofeld, and he sees with a bionic eye. Yeah. It just made me think of uh, S Club 7 party. You know, what if Spectre all turned up like Jaws and Largo and the old guys just dancing? Spectre, gonna show you how. <laughs> that scene served a purpose. However, I've never thought of Spectre as being... Again, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was bad. It, it served, moved the plot along. But I think maybe they could have done something different. But I'm not that bothered. And I thought of a post credit scene. You know, how it ends with the word she says, you know... His name was Bond, James Bond. Yeah. What if the kid's next line was, tell me about him, Mum. Oh, well, I remember the how I met him, you know. he met The first time he met your granddad, he shot him in the knee. 
introduced himself. Yeah, and then he found your granddad, who you never know, and watched him shot, shoot himself through the head in front of him. Yeah, oh, so he's not around anymore, ma'am. You know, I'm not sure if he's dead. Perhaps he didn't want to play child maintenance. This was one thing that I liked, the fact of how they killed him. There is the right, you are not coming back from this. Yeah. Another film that is coming out this month is Halloween Kills. Yeah. As I said to you after we came out of Halloween last time, great, he's dead. Yeah. And then someone said, no, no, there's an after credit scene where you hear him breathe in. Why have you not killed him off? This film doesn't deserve to carry on. I was almost expecting, I stayed to the end because I, I heard there wasn't a post-credits, but I wanted to see the James Bond will return card. Yeah. But I was almost expecting, you know, a load of rubble and he'll just put his hand up. Yeah. Because <laughs> he couldn't go off with a wife now anyway, because he'd kill her cause, unless they find the antidote. Yeah. That was a really interesting plot point. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. I, I like the idea of going, he finally found happiness. Yeah. And he can never have it. How long before somebody comes on and says, that's an allegory for all the STDs you must have. He can't touch anybody anymore over the last 50 years. Yeah. I mean, that's, so, um, someone asked me, uh, was it any good? And I said, yeah, it was It was a three-hour James Bond movie of him sitting in the HR meeting yeah. about sexual improprieties. <laughs> Which is a film that I would actually want to see. Yeah, if it was scripted well enough by the right script writers. Yeah. That's another thing. They've had the same script writers on board, on or off, since Tomorrow Never Dies. So they really need to change them now. Purvis and Wade. Yeah, there's a lot of bureau about them in the Bond community, about how they always get brought back in, because Danny Boyle was down, first of all, to direct No Time to Die. Yeah, I remember that. And then, and then... He, he was taken off it. But I remember reading, you know, the two things we saw happen... I remember reading a tabloid headline a few years ago saying Danny Boyle had wanted to kill him off. Well, almost like have a regeneration scene like Doctor Who somehow. I guess that would have involved him being badly beat up in hospital and you'd see the new guy waking yeah. up. Going back to what you said earlier about the people in work going, well, if they killed him off, they can't bring him back. Yeah. Doctor Who's been going for nearly 60 years. Yeah. They just regenerate him with someone else. You just... recast bomb, that's how, how it works. Yeah, there's that internet theory which I only recently heard about where... James Bond is actually the title of the double O agent. It's yeah. not actually the real person's name. Yeah. And was it in Skyfall or Spectre where they were going to bring, not Roger Moore, um, Sean Connery back? Sean Connery was going to be the Albert Finney gamekeeper role in Skyfall in the yeah. house, in Bond's house at the end. I do like that line when uh, Albert Finney calls him a jumped up little shit. Right. But basically that's Home Alone, isn't it? It's Home Alone for grown-ups, the end of Skyfall, but it's still, a, it's still one of Craig's best movies. How would you rate the Craigs then? One to five. Do yours first. Right, on first screening, it may change. I'm feeling it may change. Casino Royale is still the best. I'd say on the first washing, No Time to Die is second best. Just above Skyfall, but over time, maybe Skyfall will move back up. Then Quantum of Solace, which I do enjoy if you watch straight after Casino Royale. It's a continuation. And I think it does get slightly better on each viewing. But Spectre, I had to watch it in two goes. On the build-up watch to uh, No Time to Die. Because oh, it's just too much. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Mine's similar. However, it's a little bit more complex. My first is Casino Royale. But with Quantum of Solace attached to it. Because I, I've never gone, I'm going to watch Quantum of Solace. It's always, as I said earlier, Casino Royale, then Quantum of Solace. Didn't, I never liked Skyfall. I hated Skyfall. So number two for me would be No Time to Die, then it would be Spectre, then it would be Skyfall. There's something about that. I never look forward to watching Skyfall again. Once I'm in there, I'm totally invested in the film and I do enjoy it. 
Never one I'd pick out just on a random day like I'll pick out the <clears throat> Living Daylights or Casino Royale as a random Bond. I know a lot of people uh, really dislike Spectre. One of the things I really enjoyed about Spectre and I thought it harked back to earlier Bond films was Dave Bautista's role as the bad guy. Because kind of semi-wasted again. Certainly in the car chase scene, that's probably the most boring car chase scene oh, I've yes. ever seen um, in any movie. And especially because, considering how big that man is, yeah. you know, he played Drax, you know, shirtless. He is a big-built man. Yeah. A car chase doesn't do him justice. If they'd had him chasing Bond, yeah. right, that makes more menace. Makes him much more menace. And the fact he didn't say anything apart from, shit. What would you give uh, No Time to Die out of out of five? Out of five, can I give it two versions of this? Out of in, for enjoyment, yeah, I'd give it five. Yeah, as a Bond movie, I would give it a three point five. I got the same scoring as you. Enjoyment five, probably Bond movie three, I'd say. Yeah, maybe three. Yeah, maybe four. Maybe up towards four. Right. Okay. And just to finish this off, considering Bond's been finished off, best Bond movie, worst Bond movie. Living Daylights. Say possibly the world is not enough. Pierce Brosnan and that awful Denise Richards. Incredibly hot, but cannot act for toffee. Yeah, I'll go with The Living Daylights being the best Bond movie. Yeah. Die Another Day. I think the first hour of Die Another Day is really good until they get to the invisible car and John Cleese totally going over the top as Q, who was the wrong choice. I would have gone for somebody like Tom Baker. That is one of the other reasons. I love John Cleese, you know, Faulty Towers, Monty Python, all of those. He was an awful cue. Robert Llewellyn? Possibly, yeah, I think. That can even be a good shout. I mean, Ben Whishaw fits this universe, doesn't he? Yes. He's not. Did you see there was an article today saying, at least we know cue sexuality now? I just thought, what difference does it make? You know, any of our listeners, please don't think that, you know, I have a problem with the fact that he's, he's, you know, a gay character. I think it's great, but you don't need to make write an article about it. It doesn't matter, you yeah, know, because his sexuality doesn't play any part. Doesn't define in his, him at all. And, no, it doesn't. In the role does it? No, it's he's just part of the Scooby Gang, you know, with yeah, M and, a, M and Money Penny and everybody. Yeah, yeah, he's a genius. Okay, if you know, make him a gay character, that's fine. If he has a you know a partner, great. But why why are you bringing that up? Yeah, I saw an initial reaction by a YouTube channel guy called the critical drinker he's a scottish guy and he was saying how um it's kind of said off screen that he's he's waiting for him to come over that's basically so they can cut out like when it's released in china and stuff because yeah they're still you know they're still in the dark ages there right so should we wrap up yes lee your choice next time what are we going for in our halloween's episode william peter blatty's exorcist 3 oh and straight away i'm thinking of that greatest jump scare in history And we'll discuss it more next time. Yes. Bye-bye for now. Bye now.